25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Well, looky here. What do you know? We've reached the midway point of another week. We just keep clicking them off. You put another uh, another notch in the gun. Easy for me to say, right? Like we just keep on knocking them out another half of a week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what you do when you're in a prison cell, right? Is you just notch it off one after the other. Yeah, I mean, we just counting them down. Uh, putting the days and the weeks behind us, getting closer and closer to the day that we're out and about and doing what we used to do. That's what I believe anyway. It's going to happen. And so each day that goes by, we're a little closer. Here we are today on a Wednesday in the Farm Bureau studio. Hump day. Get down. And watch me do the Humpty Hump. Wish y'all could see Beaver. The Beaver Dance. I don't know if it'll make it rain, but it is raining or has been around here. So welcome in. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. As I mentioned, Beaver's here on this hump day. Happy Hump Day to you in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau Insurance, in all 82 counties across the great state of Mississippi. Also staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Beaver, I have uh, several things I've got to type in for you over here without actually saying it on the air. Uh First up is my email address. So you need my email address, huh? Yes. Okay. Isn't that a shame that I haven't already emailed you something so that you would have it? That's really kind of embarrassing, actually. Well, I mean, you just you we just started you just started following me on Twitter yesterday. So <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. And that's right. All right, and also uh, you got the number there for Tim Brando. Tim Brando, Fox Sports. We're going to chat it up with Tim here in uh, just a couple of minutes and um, just kind of talk about the situation that we are in from his perspective. Yesterday, uh, big headlines. You had Mike Gundy, the head football coach at Oklahoma State, saying some stuff. We've got to have a plan, and so let's just stay on schedule. Everybody needs to relax, okay? And I'm not taking away from the danger of people getting sick. You have... The, the, the virus, stay healthy, try to do what we can to help people that are sick and we're losing lives, which is just terrible. But then the second part of it is that we still have to schedule and continue to move forward as life goes on and do everything we can to help those people. I, I can't find a single solitary controversial thing that he said. 
There was more. We need to get back to playing football for a variety of reasons if the medical people say we can. We don't need to let one or two months take that away from us. There's too many people that are relying on it. I mean, he said a lot of things. I listened to a little bit of it. I can't find anything that in some way was like supposed to be majorly controversial that Mike Gundy said, but you know the media, and doggone, man. I, I mean, y'all feel free to just walk up and slap me in the jaws. Uh, you have my permission if I am a member of the quote-unquote media because these people, whoo, they're looking for something. They're like vultures, man. They're just kind of swirling around looking for something dead to go attack. And if they don't find something dead, they'll try to make it dead, I guess. But gosh, I mean, I, what's wrong with him saying? When we get back to football, we need to. A lot of people depend on it. I mean, and there is a threshold in this whole thing here where you're you're trying to do what's right for everybody. But uh, yeah, I, it's you got to get back to it at some point, and we'll get into that. Hello to everybody. Watch it on Facebook. What's up with y'all? Facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. People tuning in on the live stream. Steve in Dothan, Alabama. That's where my dad lives. It's a great place. Houston County, Alabama. Hey to everybody else who's joined in. Josh commented here on Facebook, said he's watching from Baton Rouge. So hey to everyone watching the stream. And uh, also on Periscope Twitter, at Radio Wyatt over there. Now, Throughout the show today, just like always, interviews and everything else, you can be a part of the show. And I always look forward to seeing what your comments are and what your feedback is. So feel free to text away on the Country Pleasing text line. It is 885-ESPN. That's a 601 number. 885-ESPN. Hit me up right there. Text away. It'll make it on the air. Call me on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. They're the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S. It means they've been doing it better longer than anyone else. Here's the number, 995-1059. Remember it, jot it down, save it for later, 995-1059. Speaking of the phone right now on the Divinity Equipment phone on your radio, it's always fun to catch up with Tim Brando from Fox Sports, one of the voices of college sports in our lifetime. And he, like the rest of us, kind of waiting this thing out, but a chance to talk with Tim right now. Hey, Tim, I really do appreciate some time here on this Wednesday. I hope you, uh, first and foremost, are well and are doing well through all of this. Yeah, as best as could be expected. It's mm-hmm. nice to have um, some of the amenities of life that um, – over over a few extra decades, uh, we were able to to, to maintain. I, I don't know that having uh, a large backyard and sort of a safe haven for my wife to work and uh, me run me to run to Home Depot and dump stuff so she can put more <laughs> stuff in the backyard. Never <laughs> meant so much, you know. It, but but it is it's therapeutic. And when we built our home back here in uh, 1990. Uh, we built it with the notion that uh, I was coming home from Connecticut and that we wanted to have a home that felt like we were on vacation when I got home. And uh, and that's exactly what we did. You know, palm trees in the back, pool, pool deck, all that stuff. And, and you know, I think a lot of times in life uh, you don't appreciate what you have until something like this happens and you're forced to stay home. 
And when I hear all of these stories from a lot of people, especially my kids, both of them are married and got and got uh, lives of their own and and children. One of them lives in Jackson, and her husband is a resident at UMC and is doing a uh, a lot of great work along with uh, a number of others there sure. with everything that's going on. You know, you're concerned about them. And, uh, and they're, they're starting their lives and doing well, but they don't necessarily have the same room. And when you got young kids and you're pent up, so to speak, I think it, uh, uh, it, it, those walls kind of cave in on you over time. So I think for Terry and me, more than anything, I, we just appreciate, uh, what we have now in a way that we maybe didn't before. You know, staycations, we talk a lot about that lovingly, sure. you know, and yeah. we say that word, staycation, uh, all the time. I don't know how much we, how much genuineness there is to that. But when you're in this kind of situation and you really, I haven't picked up a golf club, by example. Okay. Mm. And you know how much I love to play sure. golf. Yeah. But I, but I haven't because I just don't feel right about it, uh, until the numbers at least begin to level out and start to decrease. We've got, uh, a lot of trouble in Louisiana and it's mm. not all in Orleans and Jefferson Parish. Uh, Cattle Parish is, is, uh, you know, the most populated parish in the northern part of the state, and we've got plenty of of um, issues here. So I think that um, we all have to just, I think, uh, practice that sort of uh, vigilance and patience and tolerance through all of this. And, and for me personally, uh, I come out and just look at my backyard, you know, just look at it and feel uh, so much more freedom by mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. And... uh I'm not sure that, you know, we, like I said, we've been here for 30 years now, uh, built in the summer of 89 and 90 when I moved back from Connecticut. And, um, I'm so glad we had the vision to think of the kind of house we wanted to have, you know, the way we wanted to, to put it together. So that's just a private look inside the world that, that, that we're in. And I'm, I'm really, um, I think among all of us, um, especially those of us that are over 60, we're concerned. Uh, my wife does have pre-existing issues. She's had heart issues that she's had to face, so we're very careful. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think we're now more thankful and grateful for the things we do have. Sure. And, and that, that may be, Matt, what we all have to do, I think, to get through this is, um, is be thankful and grateful for what we do have and then hope that what we're not getting right now can come back to us through that same vigilance and, and tolerance uh, that I was discussing there with you. Well, absolutely. As you were talking, Tim, I was thinking about the word perspective, you know, and, and I've heard it mentioned, I do agree that for really all of humanity, this has, it's troubling, but it also gives you an opportunity to kind of hit the reset button on our perspective on things. So. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I, I, I've always been a, a, a big picture guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to the point, maybe almost to a fault, especially when it comes to college football, and that sometimes that upsets fans. But I do think that viewing life from 30,000 feet, not necessarily just within your own uh, uh, closed-in world, uh, which is so true of fans of college football. They, they care so much about their team and only their team, which is great. I love that, you know, that... That tribal thing is what makes college fandom so wonderful. I've always had to view the sport from 30,000 feet to give a purview of, of, 
of, of what we're dealing with in the totality of the sport. I think in life, I practice this same mentality when, when trying to stay sane through, through times like these. You know, I was, I was in New York doing that last game, uh, that ended at halftime in the quarterfinals on March the 11th. And it was surreal, uh, to be in Madison Square Garden with an empty house. Yeah and know what was going on elsewhere and, and what might be going on once I walked out of that building. Um, and and being part of a, instead of covering a sporting event, being part of a news story that day. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, it, it t- took me back, actually, to that uh, 2008 SEC tournament. I was going to bring that up. They you know, were playing Alabama. We only you thought know, that was that. surreal, you know? Yeah, yeah, but but you call on that. Matt, you know, you, if you live long enough and you do this for a long enough period of time, you call on those types of strange, surreal moments when others occur. Yeah. Uh, I had it happen um, in 2015 at a football game at Oklahoma State when a crazy woman decided to drive through barricades and kill three people at a homecoming parade before an Oklahoma State football game. Mm-hmm. And you know, Spencer Tillman and I were walking over body bags to get to the to get to Boone Pickens Stadium, not knowing if we'd have a game or not. And then we we did have the game, and we opened with an obituary. Yeah. You know, that's bizarre. That is as bizarre. You know, I didn't get into this business thinking that would ever happen. Sure, but you know, sometimes the atmosphere uh, and the surroundings that we're in uh, become larger than the actual sporting event that we're covering and i you know those are three big examples that i've witnessed with my own eyes tim brando on your radio fox sports tim glass half empty or glass half full for you as it pertains to the return of college football or really sports in general uh, anytime soon my glass is um is right where it needs to be <laughs> <laughs> It's not too full, okay. and it's not, and it's not, and it's not half empty. I, I think that, um, especially in the world you're in, and God knows I, I'm aware of it because I did sports radio for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, up until gosh, 2014. I did that show for almost 14 years, and you live in a speculative world. So much of what we have to discuss is speculative. We're in the middle of the. College football season. What does everybody want to know? Who's in? Is that mm-hmm. speculative? Right. Uh, so it's got to be discussed, and I get all of that. But a little bit like the morning news, and maybe to some extent those press briefings that we get every day. So much of what we're hearing is redundant. It's uh, uh, this data point versus that data point, and uh, will we or won't we? And here's why we can't. Here's why we should. Um, I think in a lot of ways, this is an, and, and not to beat the drum again for why we need a, a czar for college football, but, you know, if I'm the commissioner of the, co- of the college game, I'm, I'm sending out memoranda to, to all of my coaches and telling them, you know, just don't go there. Yeah. This doesn't need to be discussed. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, let's, let's operate as though we're preparing to play until such time as we know we're not preparing to play. I mean, that's what leadership really should be about, in my opinion. And way, way, way too often, because there's not that kind of leadership uh, for college football. As For instance, look at the way the NFL is handling things. Is anyone really questioning 
why they're going to have a draft? Not really. The reason is because the edict came, came down. We're going to do it. We're going to do it in a virtual way. It's business as usual. You know, it didn't, it didn't have a, uh, an issue with the free agency. They really haven't had an issue with having the upcoming draft. I think there's so many lessons that college football could learn from that kind of leadership. But the problem is we don't have, we don't have that singular voice. That's right. Okay. That can reach out to the commissioners who then can talk to the ADs and the coaches and, and, and presidents and say, Hey, let's just put a, you know, let's put a gag order out there on discussing whether it's business as usual or not business as usual until we, until we know something, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're really not going to know the variables from a medical point of view as it relates to projecting whether players can get out there or go into a locker room. We're not going to know that, Matt, until I think late June. Sure. Um, we gotta, we gotta find out what, forget the vaccine issue because we're not going to have one of those for another year or so. But if you talk to anybody in the medical profession, and as I said, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a son-in-law that, that is, you can come up with a form of treatment based on the findings that they have right now and what they're working on, what scientists are working on right now, should hopefully render a decision on a form of treatment for those that have been affected. And remember, 90% of those that have been affected are, are, not, are not dying, mm-hmm. more, more than 90%. But a form of treatment on, on COVID-19, on CV-19, by, say, the end of June or early July. Well, where does that get us? That gets us to within 40 to 60 days of the start of the season. So everyone begins to adjust and make their move based on those findings once we know what the form of treatment is. So there's just way too much for us to be waiting to hear for anyone to say, well, we have to start, uh, we can't start until October, or maybe we push it back and there's spring football. Now, listen, I understand why the athletic directors and the uh, commissioners of, of all the conferences have to have these discussions, okay? And there's there's nothing wrong with those discussions. Have them, but do them privately, okay? Mm. The, the, Ameri- the population base that loves college football doesn't need to hear all of that until such time as they have really something substantial to say. And I don't think at this stage we do. Well, and I got a couple of minutes left here, Tim, and it, it sounds like your opinion then would also be that people in the media who maybe cover the sport, who we look to at times, and, and they carry a lot of right. weight, they too should probably hold off or at least back off on you know, declaring the season completely dead at this point. Would Ab- you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, that isn't to say – that I don't understand specifically. All right, let's go to the elephant in the room. I understand where Kirk Herb Street was coming from. I absolutely do. He's he's the father of young men that are playing in, in college football. So, and I think when he his in many ways, a lot of what he said that night uh, with Freddie Coleman was, in my opinion, uh, the views of a father, not a broadcaster. Mm. And I can certainly understand. The, the prism from which that statement came. Uh, but the bottom line is that, you know, unlike picking a team to win a game or unlike picking your top four teams, 
you know, projecting ahead in a college football season, you know, this is this is outside the realm of our knowledge. Mm-hmm. We we just don't know. Right. Uh, the last thing, as I say, I'm not a doctor, and I've never been asked to play one on TV. <laughs> but uh, but but guys in your profession, the, the guys out there doing what you do on a daily basis, or like what Paul does, what Feinbaum does on a daily basis. I, I listen. I've got no problem with going to those newsmakers and asking them their thoughts because they're in the business. Sure. And so if it's something said by Mike Leach, if it's something said by Mike Gundy, as was the case what yesterday or the mm-hmm. day before, yeah. or even by the, the, the athletic director at Notre Dame, Jack Swarbrick, it's going to make news. And if it's up to them to be responsible for what they say. Uh, I'm not going to condemn the show hosts for going to the newsmakers because that's the business you're, you're in. It's the business that, that Paul is in. Yeah. Nor am I going to take shots, underhanded shots, at fellow members of the media that view this differently than I do. I simply say that until such time as we're given more information, we should just stand pat and wait word. Yeah. Tim, outstanding as always. A real treat to get to catch up with you. I'm really happy you're doing well. Hang in there. Can't wait to see you back on my television really soon. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, Matt. All the best to you and all my friends in Mississippi. All right. Thanks so much. That's Tim Brando. Y'all follow Tim on Twitter, at Tim Brando, if you don't already. Really appreciate some of his time. I'll get your reaction to some of those thoughts. Coming up on the Country Pleasing text line, you can call me on the phone as well. We'll get all of it in next in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. Back on the show, just getting started with you. Here on this Wednesday hump day, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team. Hometown heroes, Farm Bureau insurance agents, available to you right there next door. In your hometown, in all 82 counties across the great state of Mississippi. Hit me up on the country, please, and text line. It's 885-ESPN, 885-ESPN. If you need the number, 601-885-3776. Some people like numbers better than letters. Country, please, and sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. They are the best. When you sit down and there's an empty plate, say these words. Country, pleasing, please. You pause for the comma. You don't have to say comma. Or you can do like me and do a sound effect for the comma. Country pleasing, please. (laughs) Hand-picked hams, bacons, pork loins. That's what it's made of. It's leaner sausage than other competitors. They make it in small batches for consistency right there on site at the plant. Country meat packers in Florence. Uh, Also, uh, shoot me a phone call there. I'd love to hear your voice today. You can... Be heard all over the state, just like Tim Brando was. On the Divini Equipment phone line, 995-1059-601, number 
nine. A couple of things on the country, please, and text to start the show. Norman was the first to get in today, and he said, Hey, Matt, thanks for the mention yesterday. Yeah, he sent me a list of his favorite 80s movies, and frankly, they're a bunch of my favorites, too. He said, The Goonies probably tops my 80s list as far as reminding me of being a kid again. Something about kids riding bikes that reminds me of my youth. We rode bikes everywhere. You know, we did too, Norman. Do kids still do that to the degree? It's like each generation seems like aren't out on their own riding bikes around by themselves as much as the previous generation did. I don't know if it gets less and less safe or we're just more and more protective. I don't know. Yeah, and he said you mentioned the What's Happening TV show the other day. Remember the episode when Dwayne was uh, – betting on football and Rods discovered his big secret was picking the winning team by who had the best looking helmets. <laughs> yeah, that was the big secret. All right. And frankly, if you're a gambler, you do just as well do that. There ain't no rhyme or reason. You can't figure it out. You can't count cards. Just pick them by the helmets. You got just as good a chance. If you ask me, but, but you go ahead and you, you go ahead and bet the farm thinking you're going to figure out who's better and who's not. You just go right ahead and who's going to win by three and who's not. You, that's all you. Nick says, according to the national media, if you don't declare doom and gloom and hatred for the president, you're controversial. Jason in Flagstaff said Tim Brando is the man. And then Hog Jowl on the country please in text by the way, I see your picture from yesterday that you sent in to Chris and those guys, Hogjowl. That's great. He's got himself an Arkansas Razorback logo on the end of his uh, protective mask. Anyway, Hogjowl says, Tim's comments are the most common sense words I've heard. He was dead on with his remarks. If you don't agree with someone else's point of view, it doesn't mean they are wrong. Lastly, a real leader never boasts what a great leader he or she is. <laughs> doesn't have to. Doesn't have time to. I've always felt like the best leaders don't really have much time to do a whole lot of talking, just the, the necessary talking. The best leaders I've ever been around, anyway, were that way. They didn't actually have a whole lot of time to do a lot of talking. The only talking they did was what was most absolutely necessary because, frankly, it's all they had time for. That's just my thoughts. Listen, y'all, something happened on this day that is, well, let's put it this way. Baseball is the national pastime, right? Right alongside baseball as the national pastime, what it's been known as for 60, 70, 80 years, more than that, 100. Right alongside baseball being known as our national pastime. Over the last 40 years, it has also been a part of that pastime to talk about who's the greatest hitter of all time, to debate that, Babe Ruth. Well, the record didn't stand. Well, Maris. Well, Bonds and McGuire and Sosa, modern. Yeah, but steroids. You know, I mean, you get it. That debate, who's the real home run king? That's sort of become a pastime also i tell you who I think it is. I tell you who I think the real home run king is. And he did this on this day, April the 8th, 1974, in Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium. Here's 
Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a drive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. The fireworks are going. Henry Aaron is coming around third. His teammates are at home plate. And listen to this crowd. A sellout crowd is cheering. Henry Aaron, the home run king of all time. 7-15. How about that? Broke the record at home in Atlanta. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't he didn't he tie the Babes record? Just a few days earlier in that 74 season, on the road in Cincinnati. Isn't that right? I believe that is right. And a lot of folks, I think, were worried that, dadgum, he's going to break the record on the road. And he didn't. It just worked out that he hit one in the left center there at Atlanta-Fulton County Stadium. The radio announcer, that's what you just heard back in 74 for the Braves, a guy named Milo Hamilton. He was an Iowa native. Um not as familiar as the guy who was doing TV to most of us. Here is the television call of that night in Atlanta around 9 p.m. On this day back in 1974 on television, it was Vin Scully's call. Now, this is the whole thing, y'all. This is the whole thing from start to finish. Vin Scully's call of the lead-up, the hit, the celebration, everything. It's long. It's two minutes. Here it is. A standing ovation for Henry Aaron. So the confrontation for the second time. Aaron walked in the second inning. He means the tying run at the plate now. So we'll see what Downing does. Al at the belt delivers, and he's low. Ball one. And that just adds to the pressure. The crowd booing. Downing has to ignore the sound effects and stay a professional in pitches game. One ball and no strikes. Aaron waiting. The outfield deep and straight away. Fastball is a high drive in the deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. What a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. He threw his arms around his father, and as he left the home plate area, his mother came running across the grass, threw her arms around his neck, kissed him for all she was worth. As Aaron circled the bases, the Dodgers on the infield shook his hand, and that was a memorable moment. Aaron is being mobbed by photographers, he is holding his right hand high in the air, and for the first time in a long time, that poker face of Aaron shows the tremendous strain and relief of what it must have been like to live with for the past several months. It is over. At 10 minutes after 9 in Atlanta, Georgia, Henry Aaron has eclipsed 
the mark set by Babe Ruth. And that was a call, the whole call, by uh, Vin Scully on the television call that night. They were playing the Dodgers, and all of that that he went through, everything he said there after the home run, was as you were watching it on television, or they were in 74, Hank, they basically the game paused and it became a big celebration. There was a huge crowd of people that went out on the field and family and they were setting up microphones. Media came out. Slippery when Rhett on the country pleasing text line says, didn't two hippies run out there and run around the bases with him? Yeah, they they caught up with him. Those two guys caught up with him as he rounded second base about that, you know, between second and third. And they were patting him on the back and he kind of, you know, saw him at first, and then he pulled away from him because he realized they shouldn't be out here. These fans running around the bases with me. And uh, there have been some stories written over the years, and maybe even a documentary or two with those guys. They were young and kind of going through with them. What were you thinking, running out there on the field? People can say what they want, and you know, the talent of a McGuire and a Bonds and all those guys is unquestioned I don't I wouldn't dare question it but because of all the extracurricular stuff you know it's just for me uh, Hank Aaron Hammer and Hank number 44 for the Atlanta Braves is the real home run king that's what I think agree or disagree let me know Rolling along with you here on this Wednesday, hour one, still a ways to go. Stay with me. Hey, hey, back on the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Hometown heroes, your local Farm Bureau insurance agent in all 82 counties across the state of Mississippi. It's great to have that local agent, somebody you know, one-on-one, face-to-face, personally. They live in the same town as you. Your kids go to school together. You all go to church together. You see them out and eat at the Mexican restaurant, all that kind of stuff. And then around the clock, maybe you have an insurance question. Maybe it's, you know, a fender bender. It's sat Saturday night at 10 o'clock. I don't know, on the way home from a ball game. Well, you don't have to wait until Monday for quote-unquote business hours and call some 800 number and talk to someone three states over and process this and that. You pick up the phone and call your agent on your cell phone. Y'all, have gotten, y'all been texting each other anyway. Talk to them one-on-one, personally. They come on out. You know, if you do have to run anything up the chain at Farm Bureau, you know where the home office is? Jackson. You don't leave the state. That's one of the things I love about Farm Bureau. Speaking of cell phones, staying connected to you here around the clock with mine from C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi, C Spire, customer inspired. I have the, I'm still on the iPhone 8 Plus, uh, iPhone 8, yeah, the big iPhone 8. Because I got the button on the bottom. I think I'm about to make the switch to the new one that's got the three cameras on the back. 
I'm going to try it out, y'all. Get a new one. But I'm not trading the old one in. I like to keep them. I, I'm up to, I got about four or five old iPhones now, and I use, use them to stream the show on Facebook and Twitter, too. Yeah, we'll just figure out a way to use all of them. We might add more cameras. How about that? <laughs> As if we don't already have enough. Hey, uh, I got another sports nugget for you on this day. But first, though, just a little fun trivia. Just a little fun trivia. Why not? It's my show. It's Beaver's show. We can do what the heck we want, right, Beaver? We make the decisions around here. Sort of. <laughs> to a certain to a certain degree, up to a certain point, <laughs> we make the decisions. On this day in 1979, the last episode of... From Television City in Hollywood. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. All in the family. Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it. The well, this seems appropriate. This song seems appropriate. And now, I will tell you, you know, like I say, the last episode in 79, I was just a little guy. My parents' generation, certainly familiar with this show. But it has lived on and rerun and still does. One of the more popular sitcoms that there's ever been. And there were some controversial things and moments even back then. Which you had to really cross the line back then to be controversial. <laughs> so anyway, the last episode of All in the Family on this day in 79. All right. This day in 79. Then 19 years later, on this day in 1998, this was the big one. The final episode of Seinfeld began filming today. They filmed it. The last episode, they filmed it on this day in 98. Seinfeld, the sitcom, the one that John Bond said the other day. We were talking about the Andy Griffith show. He said, it was, Andy Griffith's show was the greatest show of all time until Seinfeld came along. Now, that's his words. So a little TV trivia in there. Y'all watching Seinfeld during the quarantine? Beaver, you have a choice. Let's say on they're on TV at the same time, a rerun of Seinfeld or a rerun of It's Always Sunny. Oh. Oh, Matt. Yeah, no. Okay, well, Which, Seinfeld is my, actually, Seinfeld is my number one favorite TV show of all time. Yeah. It's Always Sunny is my number two. Yeah. Just just a little a little fact about me. I'll take Seinfeld okay. if it's after season three. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really a huge fan. Obviously, they're good and I'll watch them. Yeah, but I'm I'm not a huge fan of the super early episodes. Hey, wasn't there a Seinfeld episode where Kramer was making hand sanitizer in his bathtub, or was he making something else in his bathtub and selling it out of his apartment? I think it was hand sanitizer. I'm gonna have to look that one up. Just random thought it hit I don't me. Remember that one? 
Okay, well, maybe I'm dreaming it up. No, he tried to get cologne made. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was cologne. But that wasn't in his bathtub. Okay. But I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy. Yep. I, I know that. <laughs> I'm just proving it. That's all I'm doing. I'm crazy and I'm proving it. All right, and I got one more historical note, and this one hits really... There's a pun in there, by the way. This one hits much closer to home. This was the day in 86, April the 8th, 1986. This was the day when Will Clark, rookie for the San Francisco Giants, stepped to the plate in the Houston Astrodome to face Nolan Ryan. And it wasn't just any at bat in the majors for Will Clark. No, the one on this day, 1986, was his first at bat ever in a big league uniform. You see, the year before, 85, Will Clark was starring for Mississippi State. This was April of 86, and he's making his major league debut against Nolan Ryan. And the rest is history. He, got a, he either got one or two breaking balls in the at-bat and then got a fastball from the Nolan Ryan and Will Clark in his first ever big league at-bat crushed it over the center field wall, 420-something feet for a home run, becoming the 53rd player in the history of baseball to homer in his first ever at-bat. I found a couple of clips of Will Clark talking about that. Now, this is Will Clark just a couple of years ago. They filmed an interview out in San Francisco. Facing Mr. Nolan Ryan, uh, I was able to uh, get a 1-1 fastball, and thank God I didn't miss it, and went out of center field in the Houston Astrodome and cruised around the bases, touch home plate, pointed to my family. I was up in the stands and was sitting on the bench after everything sort of subsided, and I was sitting next to Chili Davis, and uh, – no, I looked at Chili and I said, he's going to hit me next at bat. And Chili looked at me and said, oh, yes, he is. And uh, next at bat, he was in his windup, and I was already on the way to the ground. <laughs> All right. Now listen to how much different Will Clark sounded back in 1986. This is an interview with the young guy, the rookie, that somehow survived on a television broadcast and made its way to YouTube. Listen to what the young Will Clark sounded like describing what happened in his first at-bat. I'm walking up to the plate going, well, you know, I'm just going to look for his fastball because I've never seen anything that fast before in my life. So uh, first pitch to me was a curveball, and it, like, really surprised me. And uh, I started giggling a little bit, and I asked the catcher, I said, why is he throwing me a curveball? He says, just switching things up. And, uh, you know, two pitches later, I got one of my fastballs. And when I hit it, I hit it good, but I didn't know it was going out. I was hoping that it would hit off the wall or something, and uh, it got out, and I was just ecstatic coming all the way back to home plate. And every time my mom and dad are in the stands, when I hit a home run, I'll point to them just to say thank you for being here, and uh, that's what I did that day. How about that? Did he not sound like a kid? I mean, he basically was a kid, you know, three years in college and then on to the pros. He's immediately up in the bigs, but... Man, he just sounded like a like a little kid, and his accent seemed to be a little thicker. He's never lost the uh, the uh, Louisiana accent, but it was a little thicker back then. Okay, over here before we finish up the hour on the country, please. And text line, Jason in Flagstaff says, "Speaking of '80s kids movies, you ever see The Monster Squad? 
He said, it's the Goonies, but with the old Universal Monsters. I don't think I've ever seen it. I appreciate the link, Jason. I'll try to watch it during one of the commercial breaks. But I, I don't, I'm not familiar with that. Hogjow talking about Hank Aaron rounding the bases after he hit the record-breaking home run on this day back in 74. Hogjow said they weren't hippies who ran out onto the field. The hippies didn't run out there. And he said the hippies were lighting one up. <laughs> That's a good point. Ah, yeah, you know, we just, what, it was the 70s, we refer to everybody as hippies. But, yeah, I guess maybe they weren't, they weren't necessarily, like, dressed like the stereotypical hippie, I guess. From B-Dog 2 on the text line, he says, are college coaches currently able to do virtual classroom coaching, learning a new playbook? Yeah, um, with current players, they can contact them, talk to them, Zoom, meet, Skype, FaceTime, all they want. Now, there's a limit on recruiting, but if it's a player who's already on campus, they can talk to them all they want, coach, have meetings over video conference, which most of them are doing because it's all they can do. Jay in Baltimore in the text line said, there has never been a day where Will Clark lacked confidence. Can you imagine how big his head was after that at bat? <laughs> That's it. And Ghost Pepper got offended that I said that Hank Aaron was the greatest home run hitter of all time. He says that's George Herman Ruth. Not according to the numbers. <laughs> but I see your numbers. You got numbers too. We'll talk about it in hour two coming up. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.